0: Welcome to The Heart of the Matter, an Our Place podcast, where we look at the issues surrounding homelessness, addiction, and mental health on the streets of Greater Victoria.
1: Hello. I'm Stephen Sulzer, Manager of Community and Corporate Partnerships for Our Place, and I'm pleased to welcome Diane Gibson, Executive Director of the Community Social Planning Council of Greater Victoria, to today's Heart of the Matter podcast. Uh, The Council recently rolled out the point-in-time count here in Victoria. Welcome. Thank you. Um, before we start, Diana, uh, I just want to mention that we respectfully acknowledge the Kwangan-speaking people, the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations, for their gracious hospitality while we provide programs and services within their ancestral lands. Diana, Thank you can- for
0: the acknowledgement. I, I, you know what, I'll add that um, with the point in time count, we went. We make sure we bring reconciliation to every aspect of the work that we do, and with the point in time. Uh, survey this year, we had, we worked closely with the Aboriginal Coalition 10 Homelessness uh, and had a traditional opening at the site. And we also had a drummer that was there. Um, and it was very grounding for everybody in the headquarters on the day of the count, uh, particularly recognizing that 30% of the people that we end up interviewing and surveying who experience homelessness are Indigenous.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and was that a first for, for the count for you guys to be able to create that sort of atmosphere?
0: We've always worked with the Aboriginal Coalition closely on the point in time survey because it is so um, important to, to survey the Indigenous population. So we've always worked with them on survey design and on, and uh, um, at the headquarters and on the day of the count working with Indigenous volunteers to help address particularly Indigenous homelessness. Um, but this was the first year we had the drummer. Um, and we every year it's a little bit different depending on the capacity that the coalition has. Um, last year we had an Indigenous healer on site all day. We, they had smudging to open the headquarters. And then we had somebody that had made, had made medicine bags that were to be given out with every survey. Um, and this year it was a drummer that was there for an extensive period to help to sort of ground everybody for the day. So each each year it seems to be a little bit different. Uh, and very much kind of driven by what the Indigenous Coalition feels is appropriate for the year.
1: No, it's, it's a wonderful partnership, and of course, it makes total sense. Um, I guess we should back up and ask if you can give a basic understanding of the role of the Social Planning Council and a bit of the background of the Homelessness Count here in Victoria.
0: Yeah, they point to the, the Community Social Planning Council it has been operating across the region since 1936, so we've been around for a long time doing work that involves building a more equitable uh, region. so from from all different perspectives, um, whether that's uh, around housing and homelessness or that's around climate equity or that's around um, poverty, child children and families, whatever different pieces. So um, across a broad range of policy areas we work to build equity um, and a better and more sustainable region. And the point-in-time survey is something we've done with a partner in partnership with community partners across the region. Uh, The the first national count was in 2016. uh, And so it's part of a coordinated national project. And other regions across the, the country are doing this a similar survey. And we we try to keep the survey as close as possible so that it matches across the country and we can really have a comparable survey of trends for for people experiencing homelessness across the country.
1: Locally versus nationally, uh, I, I know you can't talk too much or hardly at all about the results of the account that you just did, but is there something that stands out locally versus the national numbers that you've noticed over time? You,
0: you know, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure that we have anything that's particularly distinct about our region. I think um, one of the things that's distinct is that Victoria has been grappling with, um, you know, as one of the regions that's had the most expensive uh, and biggest increases in housing cost and affordability um, and, you know, very, very low vacancy rates. So up, uh, up in 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 sort of on par with other places like Vancouver, Toronto. um, And that's leads that Victoria didn't previously um, sit with. uh, And now we do in terms of housing crisis. So that's that's changed for Victoria over the past five years or so. um, And and meant that that our, our point-in-time survey is so much more important now in terms of being able to identify any system change we can implement.
1: Okay. Um, in terms of someone being homeless, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different definitions of, of someone who's experiencing homelessness. What What is it that you go by?
0: We uh, we know that there's a lot of hidden homelessness, particularly in the housing market like we have right now. Um, students... Um, are increasingly in hidden homelessness. Um, So folks who are couch surfing, although we don't extensively outreach to couch surfers, we definitely include couch surfing in our survey and we try to encourage folks. So we had a table set up at the campus um, near the food bank there um, trying to catch folks that were housing insecure uh, students. Um, So we count hidden homelessness uh, that includes uh, the van and car folks, and then folks that are on the street. Um, sleeping unsheltered, and then we also consider anybody who's in sheltered homelessness, so in one of the shelters or transition housing that has a finite time limit on it, which would mean that they're not permanently housed or securely housed.
1: Right. Now... We're speaking with you now, and then uh, you're uh, letting us have a chat again in a few months when you release the numbers from the newest homelessness count. Yeah. Um, I suppose there isn't anything you can tell us so far about what you've noticed or, or the the people who have been um, doing the count uh, with you. Uh, anything we can expect? Any 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 trends? Any actually yeah. even new questions that you're asking? Um,
0: I'd be guessing right now, but I can say that some of the things that folks saw. Um, there were comments, you know, one of our, um, one of the folks that was, um, surveying came to me and said, you know, Diane, I was just so surprised by how many seniors I was interviewing. Um, other folks, you know, we're still seeing people who are dem evicted, um, and, um, lots of folks who didn't have ID. Uh, personal ID so some of those barriers that we know exist but seeing that you know it really helps us to say okay here's where we're seeing some of the system gaps I know that in our service we've got a community of practice for folks that uh, are working in homelessness prevention and one of the things they're saying is seniors are starting to really slip through the gaps when they age from income assistance over to pensions and they have to apply for programs like safer and things like that that the top-ups to go with their pensions Um, that there's a lot of challenges Um, we did see that previously with youth aging. of care in previous homelessness counts we really saw that a lot of folks had their first experience of homelessness the day they turned 18 and aged out of foster care and became homeless and so there's been a lot of attention focused on that policy area to try and really protect youth that age um, out of foster care and into and so make sure that they, they that they're then supported to move into independent market housing or independent living um, so that might be that there's a nexus there that we're seeing in this demographic of seniors starting to be challenged by housing costs. So that's that, that those are some of the areas, but we like I said, we won't know until we see the data. The important thing about this point in time survey is that survey data. Uh, much more so than the count. So everybody sort of, there's been some national conversations lately about the point in time count versus a by name list and conversations about that, how accurate is the number. And the thing to remember is that this is an extensive survey individuals. We had 200 volunteers come forward to step out to survey hundreds and hundreds, over 700 individuals around their stories And each person's experiences of what brought them to this point in their life is unique. And their generosity in sharing their time to conduct those surveys, both the surveyors and the individuals sharing their stories, The data that we collect is so important in being able to see trends like the fact that 30% are Indigenous, the fact that, we, you know, are we seeing people aging into homelessness, or are they aging in homelessness, we only know that through the surveys. So although that number is important, it's actually the least important thing about what we do in that point in time survey.
1: I I want to ask about the people who conducted the survey in a second, but the first thing I'll ask is... um... We have 13 municipalities uh most of the municipalities don't have that many services so naturally so many people gravitate towards uh victoria to uh, receive supports find programs and help um do you uh with the point in time count focus on victoria or, or do you go outside of, of the city we don't
0: it's yeah that's a really good question because we found last time we actually had quite a few teams out in places like Souk and found that there was extensive homelessness in Sooke, enough that we then were able, they were able to use that data to get resources brought to the community to tar- start to better support their population there. Um, so we do, I think Sydney's actually experiencing quite a bit of homelessness now, which is what we've been hearing. And so they're, all the way through the region, we are seeing that people are becoming homeless and, and staying homeless in regions all the way around the CRD. And that we need to be, um, capturing that information and providing services ex- all the way around the region.
1: Now, in terms uh, of, of who conducts the survey, how do you uh, find the, the are, are they paid? Are they volunteers? What mm-hmm. sort of training uh, do they get? And, and they must have come back with some pretty amazing stories of discussion. Yeah, that.
0: Um, that, that's one of the things, you know, there's, there's so many negative narratives about people, you know, being fearful to go downtown or, you know, stories of, of safety and things like that in the news these days and in social media. But we had, without any hesitation, 200 people step forward. And they were so enthusiastic. They just wanted to come and help make a difference. And to me, uh, it's the same with the Our Place um, Coldest Night of the Year. You know, I think there was 5,000. You guys have 5,000 people there?
1: It uh, 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 sounds amazing. It was It was uh, between 800 and 1,000 between the downtown and the West Shore Walk. Um, oh, between the two? Yeah. And and actually, that was, in terms of all the, the cities participating, that was... Uh, the, the National winner for the National of, High. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: so yeah, even 800 to eight hundred, two thousand. you know that that's people coming out of their homes coming in to walk around downtown or the West shore. And the same with the point time count. that was two hundred people that came out and just we were we were overstaffed on volunteers. And I thought, You know, with all the negative narratives, I thought I was worried that we wouldn't get volunteers this year, Um, that people would be concerned about their safety, that people wouldn't be comfortable walking around town because we would have teams out till midnight or close to it and in places like Rock Bay Landing and but we had people, no hesitation, just people came forward and we had a team. There was these three women that were over 75. They were walking up to go and and survey at our place. And I said, do you want me to walk you up Pandora? And they said, no, we walk up the street all the time. No hesitation. You know, they were, they were tiny, right? They were elderly, small elderly women. And then they went in and they surveyed for three hours in our place without any hesitation. And so, you know, a lot of that stigma, It isn't there in our general population, and it's so refreshing to see that there's so many people that know that these are just people who are down and out that have had some bad luck and are having a hard time, and we're meeting them at the worst moments of their life, and we're getting their stories to hopefully make a difference, Um, and So that to me, that it was really powerful to see that, despite you know that that was really it it renewed my hope in our community to see that people are just so willing to come forward and make a difference.
1: It's my understanding that some of the people who are conducting the surveys are are people who have lived experience with homelessness.
0: Yeah, we had a big team of folks that had lived experience, and they were had honoraria for participating, uh, and so and then everybody had extensive training through. There's um, a, a training program and a training manual for conducting the surveys, so that we get the the, the data we need. Um, and we do, and because it's it can can be quite triggering for the people who are being interviewed. Um, we do have a lot of multiple check-in points in the survey where we say, okay, the next questions could be quite, you know, can be um, a bit um, hard for you to answer. You know, I just want to check in again if you're okay. If not, we can skip this area. Or And and so there was there was people who did skip some of the questions um, in, in respect of sort of folks' comfort level in sharing their stories. And it's really set up to create a safe space for both the interviewee and the interviewer. Uh, and there's training around all of that um, before the surveys are conducted with every, anybody who is participating needed to have, have conducted uh, been through the training program.
1: So once, um, uh, I, I guess now it's in the hands of your researchers, just basically combing through the data and so on. Uh, once it gets released, um, I, I know all about the homeless count and, and we pay close attention to it, but in terms of using it as, as a lobbying tool for, for government or for other groups to, to provide supports uh, to, to find out what the situation is on the streets um mm. have you found that uh, governments take the the homelessness count seriously uh, what happens with this yeah situation? that
0: that's I think, you know, what we've seen is that data coming out, for example, of the the homelessness rate in souk or the percentage that are indigenous or um, youth aging out of care, like those those demographic trends, those came out of point in time survey data. And so as we see this data, we'll look at demographic trends. We'll look at trends around um, young people that are gender diverse or um, sexual preference issues or um, veterans. Uh, so any of those trends will be able to look at, um, you know, where are the populations, what are the drivers, and and see um, the experiences, and then also the service needs. And, um, and so the, the, the data gets cleaned, and it enter- gets entered into Hypus, which is the provincial data system, so that it's cr- across the province comparable. And, um, and then the report gets drafted, and then it gets workshopped with the lived experience advisory and our community partners to make sure that the data um, summaries and the conclusions are landing with their frontline experience or lived experience.
1: Always hopeful, but in terms of the barriers to homelessness being, uh, having increased so much with the super high costs of rentals and and ownership and so on, there's, there's absolutely no quick fixes, are there?
0: Yeah. In terms of policy solution side, um, we, it's, it's, Definitely interventions in the housing market. I think that the the programs like, we've got the rent bank program at the Community Social Planning Council, it makes a huge difference for the households we're able to help. Um, it's a small range of households we're able to help because currently we don't have a grants program, we have a loan program and a lot of those households just need grants really. Right. Um, and the, So the rent bank program, so that prevention piece is so critical right now because we know once somebody's lost their housing, there just isn't anywhere to go. Um, and then the um the top up uh, uh grants that are available for folks to get rent supplements is really helpful um we navigate our, our we help our, our our clients navigate those programs quite a bit and get access safer for seniors things like that so in the short term it, you know it, it, we need more housing built we need rental we need purpose built rental housing and it needs to be affordable at deep affordability and um uh and while that is being built at high, high scale. We need to scale up the level of of housing being built exponentially. Um, And, you know, I feel like places like the Capital Regional District and, and other parts of the city aren't necessarily, they'll talk about this as a crisis, but they're not necessarily acting like it's a crisis because a crisis really means that level of effort is exponentially increased. And to, to date so far, that scale of, 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 of building has been limited. But of course, you know, scaling that up is challenging with regards to the labor shortage, uh, supply chain issues, our builder's capacity, our construction capacity. Uh, so certainly there's limits around what can be done uh, at super quickly. But... Um, I'm I'm optimistic because we saw during the pandemic such incredible leveraging of our communities' resources and collective action to support families that were in need, to um to engage around um getting, you know, getting a vaccine, things like that. Like our, our society has shown itself to be able to pivot and solve and problem solve quickly. Um and to support each other while we do it. And I think that when this is taken seriously, the scale of this um, crisis is taken seriously, we can see that kind of creativity. And, you know, the fact that those volunteers all came out for both our place and for, for um, the point in time count, you know, that our community is ready to problem solve this.
1: Right, and and we did see some some great steps. I know during COVID, uh, the provincial government asked us to take over some of the hotels they purchased, and they created new shelters and so on. So they're, they're definitely. Ha- I, I, I think everyone was just kind of surprised when we like we started housing we now have more than 500 beds that we manage but uh, I think there was a feeling when that was happening that once that is taken care of the the housing crisis uh, will will diminish significantly and I I guess so many new people came out of the woodwork in terms of they were sheltering with others and COVID forced them you know out on the streets and, and so on I think everyone was surprised that the, the crisis grew during this, this time
0: well and we're seeing i mean the reality is our housing market is putting people out of homes and um, people are being dem evicted rent evicted and just losing their housing um uh, you know if it, it if a family wants to take over their unit in their house they can evict and it's a legal eviction um, and there is nowhere to go right. um, or people come to the region for school or for work or for family reasons and they have nowhere to live. Um, and it's legitimate. I mean, they, you know, people who there, there will be in the count data that shows people have moved into the region and people don't move into the region to be homeless. They move into the region because they have a family member that's ill or because they have a job here or because they have school here or because they need to access a service or a program that isn't available in a small rural community. Um, and and they should be able to access those programs and services or that job or that that education opportunity with housing. And right now, they don't get access to housing. So um, so what we're seeing is, um, certainly we see it coming through the rent bank too, is households at higher and higher income levels are coming in with evictions and, and housing loss, and they just have nowhere to go. We had teams there, extensive teams there all day actually at our place. Um, and, uh, and yeah it was fantastic to have um, our place be an open space and uh, where volunteers could spend the day
1: yeah uh, of course anything to to be part of the solution hopefully our, our teams there were, we're super supportive uh, I, I know it's it's something that we all need to work together to to solve yeah yeah,
0: yeah um, our place was fantastic all of the all of the facilities that participated in the count I know, it, that everybody's experiencing staffing shortages right now in the social sector. Um, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to ask. And I know a lot of the our facility partners this year said it's tough, you know, it's tough for us to even put the survey out to our clients on the night of the count, because we're so tapped for staff. Um, and I know that, you know, places have been curtailing their hours because of staffing shortages. So, um, we know that it was an extra effort for our social partner sector, social sector partners, to step up this year, and everybody did because they know how important this is. Um, but we really appreciate how um, how much more of an ask that was this year for the point in time survey.
1: Sure, and that goes back to housing crisis. We've lost quite a few okay. people because they feel that uh, they can't yeah. afford to live in Victoria. I
0: lost my housing researcher because they didn't see. They said to me, Diana, I don't see a future here. Young person wanting to start a family, and they moved to Alberta and. Um, that, was our, that was our homelessness and housing policy researcher. So, you know, it's a, it's hard to solve the crisis when we can't even house the people that are working on solving the crisis.
1: So when do we find out the, the results of this year's count?
0: June, um, we'll be doing a release in June. We'll be circling back to our social partners to um, verify the data. And then we'll have the, a lot of information to help with, uh, hopefully with debunking some of the myths around homelessness and destigmatizing homelessness more and with helping to understand where some of the system barriers are.
1: Perfect. And we'll have you back on then. I uh, really look forward to it. Look forward to not just you know finding out the answers, but also seeing what we can do from there to yeah. you know make the uh, people's lives
0: better. Where some of that system changes. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to talking more about this. You've been listening to the Heart of the Matter podcast. For more information about Our Place and the vital programs and services provided to the Greater Victoria community, please go to www.ourplacesociety.com. Our Place is a registered BC charity. You can donate by visiting the website or by calling 250-940-5060. Help us to bring hope and belonging
1: to those in need.